The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Um, I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 1, uh, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 6 to 18. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I hope you do, or whatever you use as a Bible, um, it'll be great. 1 Samuel 1, verse 1 and 2, and then 6 to 18. It says, There was a certain man of uh, Ramathim, Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zeph, an Ephratite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And then verse 6, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. She used to provoke her. And therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you not, do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk and shallow, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting at the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. And therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my heart, my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah reconceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I've asked for him from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for your presence. And Lord, we ask you, will you come and meet with us in a way that only you can do, nothing else can. Lord, we ask you that your word will bring life to us and the truth will reveal not only our hearts and what is hidden in our hearts, but for us to be so full of you, Lord, as a result of that. Lord, we glory in your name. We ask you, Lord, be with us, be on us, Lord, 
as we uh, look at the scripture. And Lord, will you f- that will us, uh, each of us find favor in your eyes. Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> uh, the story of Samuel, of a young guy. It is also the story of uh, Hannah. It's the story of a mother's heart. And it follows immediately the book of Ruth. We touched on that this morning. Two remarkable women. Two women highly significant in the history of Israel. Both very quiet stories, away from the spotlights. Stories of how God uses our domestic life. At the kitchen table, having tea with a biscuit kind of moments. That must speak to you English people anyway. We'll have our coffees, you have your tea, yeah? Uh, We as a family, we lived in Warrington, the UK, for six years. Our kids were small. And we've been involved in church planting for a number of years, but we sensed that God wanted us to move back to the Netherlands. Uh, But I have to be very honest with you. I was afraid of it. I had a difficulty at the time in hearing God. I found it impossible almost to listen to God. I could not. And uh, especially about our future, I was very nervous. And God started to speak to Renee. And she was pouring her heart out while she was ironing all the shirts and everything else that she's ironing. And God started to speak to her just over that ironing board, the domestic kind of life. And through the speaking of God at that ironing board, we made that step back to Holland. And God had spoken to Renee what would happen when we would touch the border on the other side. And it indeed happened like God had spoken. And God provided everything. And from that, other steps came into our future. It happened at the kitchen table. And it happens when you pack the lunches for your children. When you take the weeds out of your garden or you fix your bike or whatever you do at times the Holy Spirit might prompt you as you're doing the normal things in life and here are two women Ruth we talked about this morning and Hannah here and both of them were pursuing their God and were drawn into this story almost immediately hearing of a woman who is barren, she can't produce children. She's unfruitful. And, and barrenness, unfruitfulness, is a story of mankind. It is a way of saying that without outside help, we are without hope and without a future. We do need help. And at moments of going to worship, it says here, Elkanah expressed his deep love for her by giving Hannah twice as much as she would give to Penina. Her rival, Penina, used to, those moments to nag her, as as to provoke her, and she showed more cruelty than at other moments. And Elkanah's attitude is remarkable. He says, I simply love you for who you are and not what you can give me. That's what he's saying. 
Not for what you can produce, but I love you. But the downside of him expressing it in a way that he did, giving twice as much, it provoked Peninnah to provoke Hannah. And the word provoke here in verse 6 is the Hebrew word for storm, turbulence. Emotionally inside, it felt like a big storm raging in her heart. And Hannah's love for Hannah over Peninnah made her jealous. And it actually made the situation worse. And Hannah had needs that her husband could never meet. And that is so difficult at times. When your loved one or your loved ones go through stuff that you cannot help them with. When you feel absolutely unable to change anything in a certain situation. Or when your child is ill. Or your partner is in a condition and you can't help him or her out of it. What do you do? You know, Penina has spoken. Her husband has spoken. But Hannah herself has not spoken yet. She hasn't said anything. She answers to none of those voices. Both voices tell her how she could be happy. Penina's voice is the voice of the surrounding culture. And it basically says to her, it all depends on you having children. Only when you have those, you'll be happy. The other voice is, you can be happy if you rely on my love as a husband. It's the voices that we hear telling us what happiness is like. Happiness is when you have enough money in your bank account. Happiness is when you get kids. Others would say, happiness comes when your kids leave home. <laughs> happiness is when you get a camper, when you get a pension, and you travel the world. That's happiness. And then verse 9 tells us of this very decisive moment in her life. It says that after it finished eating and drinking, not Hannah, but others, it says that Hannah stood up. Simple line, Hannah stood up. She is standing up. She's no longer keeping all the things within herself, within her mind. She is standing up. She gets herself into the temple area, and now she is speaking. She is speaking to God. Amen. Hannah stood up, and she went. All what she could do is what she did do. She prayed. Did she pray before the time? Probably many times. But she was stirred by something that the Spirit put inside her with great determination. It is that one moment that you know, all that is left for me is to call upon the name of God. Where you know in deep inside your heart, only God can help. And her prayer turns into a vow. She's not 
only asking in prayer. If you read it, she is giving back in prayer. It is the getting and the giving of prayer. And we don't hear much when we're taught about prayer. But prayer is so much more to our prayer life than just us asking. Part of our prayer life is to listen, to hear God speak to us. But another aspect is the learning to give to God. We were challenged this evening about surrendering, to leave it up to Jesus, to hand over, to surrender, to give control of our lives to the one who knows us best and who knows what is best for our futures. And her prayer is so telling. Basically says she didn't want the child for herself anymore. Probably that's where it changed. She might have wanted it earlier on in her life to be it for herself, but something happened as she stood up in prayer in the temple. No longer a child to feel good about her situation. No longer a child to just say, I'm now comfortable like all my friends. I've got, an, I've got a child. No longer a child as a, some kind of uh, security for her future. No longer a child to comfort her or to love her. Her prayer is so rich and so different from any other cries of her heart. She basically says that, Lord, I do not want to build my life around my child. I want his life to be for your glory. Don't build your life around your child. Help your child to face the glory of God. And the prayer is done in solitude. It's just between her and God. But someone is watching her. Eli the priest. He watches her lips and how they move. And he thinks she is drunk. In other words, she probably prayed in a way that none, no, none of the people have ever done. But she said, actually, no, my Lord, that's not the case. I'm a woman deeply troubled. I was pouring out my soul. And Eli's reaction shows that he wasn't used this, to this kind of prayer. And she is so real. She is so genuine in her prayer. You know, how refreshing that is for our souls, isn't it? If you see someone who pours his heart or her heart out before God, nothing is more attractive than having people around you who are thirsty and hungry for more of God. I love that time of worship. There was so much of a hunger in there. Lord, meet with us. Lord, come amongst us. We need more of that, Lord Jesus. You know, seeing each other come before God is such a wonderful moment in our lives. That real worship. And Hannah came before God without the usual rituals and sacrificing. She wasn't there to do any of that. She was just there to meet with God. She's completely throwing herself in the arms of God. And Hannah's prayer has nothing to do with religion. 
with everything to do with the heart. Cries for help, Lord. If you really love me, Jesus, show me, God. If you're there, Lord, tell me. Those are the kind of prayers that God loves. It's nothing more or nothing less. He loves to help us if we cry out for his help. He loves that. And she's no longer in the spiritual shadow of her husband any longer. She's unaccompanied and she's alone, but she's before God. She unloads the burden and makes a vow. And unknown to her, she is about to become the mother of one of the greatest prophets Israel has ever known. Ordinary Hannah, sidelined Hannah, bullied Hannah. She's come before God with deep cries of her heart. You know, I've been blessed with having Une in my life. Um, I've always thought of myself that I'm a kind of extrovert. I thought, well, I'm an extrovert. I'll, I'll blur out what I've got inside, you know. I don't think, I, I, I talk and then I think what have I done. You know, that kind of thing. But really, before God, I wasn't an extrovert. I looked at Ene, and I still do that, because that still happens. When she goes really with a heart before God, she cries her heart out. She's got these books around her, Bible around her, and she cries, and she pours her heart out before God. And, you know, God answers her prayers. I see it happen time after time again, and I think, Lord, help me. I'm very narrow. I have no emotions when I pray. Help me to express my heart. Lord, I want to become better in this. I want to be able to drink better and to receive more. Help me in this. And Hannah gets up and she's relieved and she goes home. She is unburdened because she knows that God knows. It's sufficient. It's done. It's finished. This kind of deep inner sense of what was happening. No more striving, no more worrying. Peace came to her heart. It says in verse 18, she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. It happened, although nothing had happened yet. Nothing had changed. But she knew. She is still barren, but she knows that God is in charge. In looking at Jesus, that very difficult moment in the Garden of Eden, of the Garden of Gethsemane, Eden was a bit earlier than that, Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying that the Father's will for him would be to not have to drink the cup. And he prayed it again, and he prayed it again. And then he said, it's enough. It's done. Nothing had to be done. He was still going to the cross. But he knew that the Father knew and that he knew that he knew that the Father knew. And Hannah is becoming pregnant. And she's getting this boy, Samuel. And in verse 21, it says that Hannah took as her task to nurture and to wean Samuel. And when Hannah had nurtured her boy Samuel, she took him to Eli to be trained further. 
And then as she leaves the temple, she's praying again. And we don't have time, but in, in chapter 2, it's a long prayer. But it's worship and prayer and thanks. And it, it's filled with praise to God. It, it, it starts with very personal things that she shares to God. She says, it's my heart, Lord, my strength, my God, my mouth, my enemies, my victory. And then after verse, she then turns it around. It, prayer is personal, isn't it? But at the same time, it's not directed to us, but it's directed to God. And she starts in verse 2. Your greatness, your steadfastness, your faithfulness. And it shows that prayer is very much God-centered. It is not about me, it's about He. And you know when you're really praying, when it's no longer about me, but about He. And her worship and her prayer, Hannah declares this in chapter 2. God can turn things around 180 degrees in our lives. 180 degrees. She prays this. The apparently strong can turn out to become weak, and the weak can turn out to become strong. The ones that are satisfied and full can become hungry or the other way around. Those that have many kids might feel like they're barren, and those that are barren might feel that they have many children. But God can change any of your and my situations that you face today that seem to be no way out or no way further, he can change that today, 180 degrees around. All it took was standing before God and asking him to deal with an impossible situation. She was unable, and you might feel at the moment very unable to change it, but you haven't reckoned with God yet because he can change it around. And Hannah is bringing her little boy, Samuel, now to be under the care of Eli. And then something significant happens. It was changing Samuel's destiny from becoming a priest in being a wonderful prophet. It says in the book of Samuel, it was rare to hear the word of the Lord, and there were not many visions. But then God starts to speak to Samuel. He's very much a son after his own mother. He becomes a man of prayer. You know, in journeying together, we talked about it this morning as pilgrims, to turn the dry brushes around and make them springs of water. It happens when we pray together as a family of God. And Samuel got it in his DNA. His mother passed it on. In her weaning him, she invested in him. I don't know about you, but I learned to pray when I hear other people around me pray. I, you know, something happens. I hear someone pray. I think, oh God, please help me. Help me in growing in prayer. And we know the story probably. But three times he thinks it's another person talking to him. And he had to learn to distinguish with what humans' voices is and what the voice of God is. 
And I think that's a learning curve for all of us. It's what we hear other people say, but in what they say, is it God talking or just them talking? Could even be a brother or sister, well-meaning, but it could still not be God. We need to listen well to what God is saying. It's the biggest challenge, I think, in growing up as a disciple of Jesus. It's learning to be a better listener, not just a me-speaking-to-God kind of prayer. And chapter 3, it says this, Eli, whose eyes had become so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. All he could do was lying down in his usual place. While it said of Samuel, as a boy, it says he ministered to the Lord and he stayed in the temple. <laughs> I'm just looking at some of the young people here. Just make sure you're keeping yourself very close to the temple where Jesus is. Because I believe for some of the young people, God's got a, a, a calling on your life. God is commissioning you. But it's something that you find when you stay very close to where God can speak to you. And, you know, in one sense, there's nothing wrong to be in the usual place. Jesus went to the temple, as was custom. It was a usual thing to do. There's nothing wrong with us meeting tonight here at 6 or this morning at 10 or half past 10 or 11. It's okay. But something else needs to happen. It's like with Moses, he took himself a tent and made it into a tent of meeting because he wanted to be with God and he wanted to listen to God. Probably very ordinary tent, nothing different than any other tent. But it became a tent of meeting, not because Moses went there, but because Moses went there purposefully. It was a special tent because he wanted to meet with God in that tent. And he wanted God to meet with him. Can I say this? You and I need a time with God, and we need a tent with God. And what I do mean with time is you do need time. Yes, I do believe in this spontaneous prayer and praying while you're driving or praying while you're studying or praying whatever you do, and you pray. That's great. That's what the Spirit of God does. He takes you and you're with Him. You're a temple of God wherever you go. I believe that. But for us to listen and be still and wait, we need more than just a short prayer. We need a tent. You need a tent. You need a place that will work for you. And that might be very different for each of us. In my life, I had many tents. Uh, when I was young, I went to, in the army. I was there for a year and a half. And there was no place to be on my own. So my place, my tent, in the time that I was in the army was on the toilet. The toilet was my, my tent. And I had this pocket Bible. And every time I sat on the toilet, I spent time with God. I listened, prayed, 
And people must have thought, this guy is really, you know, there's some, some stuff happening, you know, he's not well. He's constipated, you know, whatever he has, but there's something wrong with this guy. So after half an hour, I came out of it again. They probably must have had a laugh, I don't know. And then I, uh, I, I uh, studied uh, chemistry and I was working in research. And my, uh, my tent was, uh, there was no place in that uh, laboratory. So I went to the forest. Every day, lunchtime, I went to the forest. The forest became my tent. And then I worked at the magistrate's court and, uh, with the judges. And the only place I could find is downstairs, a little office. Asked if I could use it every lunchtime. That's why I prayed. That was my tent for a time. Now the kids have gone home, uh, out of home. Home is a place where I have my tent. I'm just saying find something that works for you. And be still before God and ask. God wants to talk to us. If you believe God calls you for something, ask him and be silent and let him speak. Hannah's life, I think, is challenging for us today. And I'll finish with that. For us to receive the truth that he uses everyday life, life at the kitchen table. And when you're studying, when you're studying, he could speak to you. Your coffee breaks, your lunch times. And Hannah decided to bring everything before God. Her struggles, her feelings, her desires. She wanted God to act, to come to her aid and help her, and to change it. No longer for herself, but for the purposes and the glory of God. Whatever we ask, let it be for his glory and his purpose. And I felt for tonight uh, um, to, tell, to say to you, you know, you might, you might find yourself in an area of barrenness, an area where you feel you're not fruitful. And you're really wrestling with feelings of unfruitfulness. And you're unable to bring that change in there yourself. You've tried and you end up not feeling very different than you've done before you started. Can I invite you this evening? Maybe it's time for you to stand up. To get before God and to call upon his name. And you might think, I prayed this prayer many times, like Hannah. I believe God wants to do something tonight. As you stand before God, that we are the witnesses together. And I felt to ask the Holy Spirit for him to come upon us. And if you're struggling with something that you're facing right now, and it's something you are not able to change, for us to pray that God will change us 180 degrees around. I'd love to pray for you. And as I pray, I will close my eyes, but as I pray, if you sense 
There's an area of unfruitfulness. There is something there that I just need to stand before God myself. What I'd love you to do, like Hannah did. Eli didn't know what she prayed. But she stood before God and only her lips moved. If you believe there's something there that God wants to break through and help you with, or turn things 180 degrees out of an unfruitful situation to see that change, while I pray, why not stand to your feet and pray before God and ask him, ask him, and tell him again, this is it I'd love you to do in my life. Ask him. So as I pray, I'd just invite you to stand up. As you're standing up, as you've prayed your prayer, after you've prayed your prayer, I'd love you to come to the front. And we'd love to pray for you. And be like Eli. And say, whatever you've asked of the Lord, let him honor your request. We're here to witness, and we just lay hands on you. If there's something you want to share with the person that's praying for you, that's fine. Otherwise, we just pray, let it be as you've asked of God. And I'm trusting God that he will deal with any situation. Is that okay? Are you okay with that? So as I pray, if you feel God's spoken to you, stand to your feet. After you finish praying, whatever you mumble before God, whatever you ask before God, come forward and we pray and some of us will lay hands on you and we'll just be Eli's to one another. Yeah? Yeah. Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, as you're speaking to us, Lord, we, we'd love to be like Hannah, Lord, in situations that we feel we're facing, that we're dealing with, when we can't see a solution, Lord. We ask you right now, Lord, as we, as we come before you, Lord, will you do what you did with Hannah? Lord, turn the unfruitful situations in our life into a fruitful situation for your honor and for your glorious glory and for your purpose, Lord. I pray for those, Lord, that are in our midst that have a situation that they face that they can't change or see a change. Lord, will you change that 180 degrees around for your glory. Lord, we ask you that in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to just be witnesses and be Eli's to one another and say, may the Lord grant you what you have asked of him. And Lord, as we stand before you, will you come and meet with us? In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So why not come forward? Come, you have, you will gather an Eli for you, but you come forward. Any one of you, first of all, I'd love to see those. And you might be still sitting, but you still feel, no, I'm standing up before God. I'd love you to come as well. Would love you to come. If you, if you want to share it with the person that's praying for you, you, you're most welcome to do it. If you feel, no, it's something between God and me, that's perfectly fine as well. Don't feel under any pressure. But it might help you to, to, to talk or, or just share a one-liner. But we're going to pray for you. And then uh, you come. There's more room. Can we come a bit more forward? Because that be good too. You come. You come. We've got time. We will pray for every one of you. So please come. We'll... Thank you, Lord. So there's not many people left to be in Eli, but pray. Um, 
as I pray and I've prayed for you and you feel God has spoken to you or God has, you turn around, pray for someone else. We're going to pray and trust that the Holy Spirit will just work and work his way. Okay, let's do that. We have time, yeah?